talking about mental health. And we've asked the question, how does God want me to function in these areas? And how can I move into greater health? And how can I walk in greater freedom and success with God leading the way in these different areas? And tonight, we're going to look at the subject of God's purpose in our work life and in life in general. So, I don't know how many of you uh, are in a place right now where you're figuring out your work situation, or maybe you're attending school and, uh, and working towards figuring out what you want to do with your life. Uh, perhaps some of you are in a job right now that you really love and you're passionate about it, and that's fantastic. Uh, some of you might be in a job that you really don't like, and, uh, and you're looking for something different. Uh, we find ourselves in different places, um, but God wants to take us wherever we are, and bring us into a spot in our lives where we can function in our work and in our life with purpose. So that's what we're going to hit on tonight. I have three main areas that I want to talk about. I want to talk about understanding God's purpose for our work. Then I want to talk about understanding God's purpose for my work on an individual level. And then I want to talk about how God empowers us uh, to do his good work. So, first of all, understanding God's purpose for work. We'll start back in Genesis, at the creation story. God unfolds the world, and he does it with excellence. He makes the world, and the Bible says that at every step, he stopped and said, it is good. He, he took the world from a formless empty, barren wasteland, and he molded it into something habitable. He molded it into something beautiful, into something useful for us. And then he creates man. And when he creates us, he creates us in his image. So we were created to desire good. We were created to love truth, to be creative like he is, and to find joy in being creative. We were created to be workers. See, God worked when he made the world, and then he rested on the seventh day. And we're not going to cover rest tonight, but we are going to talk about that work portion. He created us in his image to be reflectors, to mirror back who he is to the world around us, to be an example of his goodness, his creativity, his love, and his grace. So, we're in his image, and we're created with purpose. He tells us in Genesis that we are to fill the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, and to subdue the earth. So, he creates Adam, and Adam is alone for a little while, and he's like, ah, it's not good for, for man to be alone, and so he makes Eve, and Adam's pretty pumped up on that. And, uh, and then he gives them the command, I want you to go and I want you to fill the earth. I want you to populate the earth and I want you to, to take control of it. And, and the implication here is that we're supposed to make good use of it. In fact, in Genesis 2.15, it says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is Genesis 2.15. In his book, uh, Garden City, which I'm just going to pop open here, Author John, John Comer explains how the Hebrew word for work in this passage, uh, the word abad, it means um, 
It means to be active in our work as an act of service. So it can be translated as the word service. And so not only do we work, but we work to serve God. And in addition, throughout the entire Old Testament, the word abad is also translated frequently as the word worship. He says this, So work and worship aren't two separate ideas. They are connected at the hip. They are two translations of the same word. It's tragic that we think of worship as a few songs at church every Sunday. That is worship, of course. But in a Genesis-shaped worldview, all of life is worship. When you go to work every day, at least if it's work that honors God, it is an act of worship to the God who made you. So in short, God made us not just to, to work to have something to do, but he created us to partner with him in his work and to, the in, to enjoy the results of, of our labor. He calls us to follow his lead in everything and to serve this world with our life and work and therefore make it an act of worship to our God. He wants us to live to our fullest potential and make the world around us thrive. But then enters sin. Adam and Eve choose to disobey God, uh, to not trust in his word and rebel against him. And in so doing, uh, they bring sin into the world for, uh, for time up till now. And when sin enters, we start to see a corruption of the purpose of work in this world. See, our work and our lives were meant to be a conduit for God's goodness and grace to be active in the world. But they aren't the source of goodness. God is the source of goodness. And when we fell, we began to believe that our identity came from our work. But our identity doesn't come from our work. Our identity comes from our God. And our identity in our God informs our work. It tells us how we're supposed to do our work. When sin entered the world, it also made us selfish. Work became hard. Instead of having pure motivations to honor God with our work and to use it to bless other people, we have competing selfish desires. We're tempted to use our work to make a name for ourselves and to accumulate wealth at any cost, often causing harm to those around us. We lie and we manipulate to try to get what we want. We become greedy and we start to believe that if we can control the world around us through our work, that's what's going to bring us joy. But the reality of the situation is that we weren't created to work for our own selfish gain. We were created to honor God, and we were created to use our work to bless the people around us. God wants us to get back to our intended purposes. He wants us to partner with him and to use our lives to bring goodness to the world around us. Ephesians 4.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work or works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is an incredible passage. I love what this verse has to say. We are God's handiwork. He made us on purpose. You aren't here by accident. You didn't surprise God. You didn't come into this world and he's like, Oh, shoot, North American baby, 300,000. What am I supposed to do with that one? You know, like, he is not surprised. He has plans for you. You were made on purpose. And I know there's a lot more people in North America than 300,000. 
So we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. Now, often the verse has been taken out of context a little bit and taken to mean only to do like almsgiving or to serve the poor, and it definitely includes that, but it doesn't mean only that. The idea here is that we are to participate in the same kinds of actions that God's goodness produces within our work. So our work should be done with excellence. Our work should encourage other people and help other people thrive. Our work should show grace and mercy. Our work should be filled with compassion where possible. And lastly, it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As we already mentioned, he knows us and he created us with purposes, all of us. And he has good things that he wants us to do. Jesus also says that he wants us to have life and have it to the full. Work is not supposed to be a curse. Now, when sin entered the world, it became a curse. It became something that we toil through. It became something that is challenging. But that wasn't his original intention for work. His original intention for work was that it would be life-giving, that we would operate in a way that met our full desires, and that by doing that, we would find immense joy in it, and we would be able to honor him with our work. Which leads us to our second point, and before we dive into that, I would just like to pray. God, thank you for making us people who are created for a purpose. God, and we are to have purpose in our work. And we, God, we just offer you ourselves. We offer you the rest of this night. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, uh, you would guide us and teach us and that we might hear the things that you want to say to us. God, we ask that you would help us to become uh, people who desire to do good work for you. God, we pray that where our um, understanding of what work is has been damaged by sin or by culture around us, that you would bring repair to that and that you would heal our desires, God, so that we uh, end up desiring the things that you desire for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So next I want to talk about um, how God wants to reveal the purpose each of us individually in our lives. So we've already established that he made people for purposes. But often within the North American church, um, we, we talk about the word being called. And you guys, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the idea of being called to ministry. And we've kind of gained the mentality that there's two parts in the world. There's the secular world and there's the spiritual world. And that if you're called to ministry, well, obviously God has given you specific direction of what you're supposed to do. But if you're working outside of any area that's in ministry, then it's just kind of whatever. But that's not the case. God doesn't differentiate between the two kinds of work. He wants all kinds of work. He wants all of us to offer our lives and our work to him as an act of worship. In 1 John, uh, we're told that God is light. And then Jesus, speaking uh, about reflecting God's light to the world, says this in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, You are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I get the lights cut for a sec here? Is that, is that okay? All right, nobody's too scared of the dark? Okay. All right. Yeah, object lesson time. Just for you, Carly. Okay, so some of you who maybe are close to the lights at the front here can see what some of these objects are, and I'm guessing that some of you further back can't. So why don't you bring the lights back up? Thank you very much. It's a cheese grater. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's cool. We got a hammer and a nice big mug. You can't get a mug that's big enough for me. Uh, you got a book, you got a bucket, just a random assort assortment of items here. And I want to draw a few things to your attention about these items. First of all, I want you to notice that when it was dark, it was hard to tell what the items were. And therefore, it was hard to identify what they might be used for. And as they're revealed by the light, we can identify what they are and what they're made for. And it's the same way with God in our lives. When, when we allow God to speak to us, when we allow God to transform our character, when we ask for his input in our lives, it's like light is bathing our lives and it's illuminating the purpose within our lives. And without that light, we can't really understand our purpose. And with that light, we can begin to see that different objects have different purposes, right? So a mug is pretty good for filling up with tea or coffee or whatever else you want to drink. But if you try and give water to somebody with a hammer, you may have different results, right? Or a book is good for conveying information, um, but a cheese grater, not so much. So different objects serve different purposes. I know this is nothing too profound, but the point is that God has different purposes for our lives and different people have different purposes and our purposes are revealed when his light shines upon us I also want to highlight that you would initially think well if you if you look at a light it's quite bright you know or if you look at the Sun it's very bright and you would think if that same light is hitting all the same or all these different things because the light looks the same regardless of which thing you are then it's probably going to make all the things look the same right but the reality is is that God's light spread out onto his people reveals uniqueness amongst them right it's his light that allows us to see the differences and to understand the different purposes of these different things and in the same way God has made us with unique capacities with unique giftings each of us has different experiences from growing up in different places. And so each of us has a different calling on our lives, a different purpose that he wants to work out through our lives. I also want to point out that if you try and use a hammer and it's pitch black, you may hit a nail into the location that you're desiring to, but you may not. 
you may end up hitting your hand, or you may end up hitting somebody else. Or if you've got a cup of scalding hot coffee, if it's pitch black, you might aim properly and hit your mouth, or you might drop coffee somewhere else where you don't want it to drop. And it could be very uncomfortable. When we try to operate outside of God and his impact and his influence in our lives, we risk severe harm to ourselves and to other people. It's not about God wanting to manipulate and control us to do exactly what he's, uh, what he's wanting us to do. It's about that each of us are unique and he wants us to operate in the way that he's designed for us. And when each of these things operates in the way that it's designed to, it operates at its full potential. It operates as, at its best. So maybe you're an introvert and you're working in a job that you have to deal with tons of people all the time, all day, every day. Maybe that's not a good fit for you. Maybe, maybe you have a, a really strong creative desire. You love using your creativity, and you're working in a lab just titrating solutions all day long. This is all you do. You're probably going to feel pretty useless there. Or maybe, maybe you have a... Uh, an ability to be a great listener, but you don't have any opportunities to spend time with people and, and hear their stories and then offer them, offer them help. The point is, is that each of us has different capacities and different giftings and different things that we can do with those giftings. And the more that we find our purpose by allowing God to impact our lives, by allowing God to speak those things over us, the more fulfillment that we're going to gain because we're operating in the way that he designed us to operate in. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Now, in the context here, Paul is talking uh, to a church and he's talking specifically to people who are working as servants in that church and, uh, and working as, um, as slaves. But it's not the same type of slavery that exists in the world today. It's not modern-day slavery. Um, it's called indentured servitude. And what it means is that in those days, if somebody was really poor and they didn't have the ability to earn a living for themselves, they could go to somebody who was well-off and they could say, Please take care of my family, and I will work for you for a certain number of years. I'll give you my service, and in return, you take care of me. And so they would sign up a contract or, or what have you, and, and they would become a servant. It's similar to how we get a mortgage, and the bank guarantees, well, you've got a job that you can pay for this mortgage, right? And you're like, yes, I will continue working for the next 30 years to pay for this house. It's very similar, and so the context is not actually that different from the context that we find ourselves in. And what he's saying is that even if you're working for a junkie boss or working at a company that isn't that great, ultimately you aren't working for that boss or that company. Ultimately, your work is supposed to be done for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And so because of that, we're supposed to do everything that we can with excellence. And who knows, when we're doing those things with excellence, when we're loving the people around us in the context of our work, when we're, 
when we're working hard to, you know, be on time and to serve the people around us, we might have a profound impact on, on the people around us. They might see our actions and they might be motivated to change. Or they might ask questions about, why are you doing this? Like, what motivates you to be different than everybody else that's here? And we can then use those opportunities to show forth the love of God. God wants us to find fulfillment in our lives by becoming the best that we can be. The absolute best that we can be. And you can't find fulfillment anywhere else. You can't find fulfillment in somebody else's potential, and they can't find fulfillment in yours. God made you, every one of you, with specific things in mind for you to do. And if you try to live outside of that, you will end up dissatisfied and disappointed. When I was working at uh, Kadish years ago as a camp counselor, uh, I had this uh, one camper in my cabin the one week. He was hilarious. He looked like a little version of, like, John Cleese. And, man, he was hilarious. But the one night, he was up on his bunk, and he pulls out his tube of toothpaste, and he starts squeezing out toothpaste and eating it. And I'm like, bud, you, you can't eat toothpaste, bud. And he's like, no, no. I do this all the time at home. I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you don't. <laughs> you can't eat it. It says right on it, do not swallow. I'm sorry, I should have been using my camper voice. Um, I'm pretty sure that I can eat it, and it's, it tastes delicious. And, and I tell him, no, bud, like, it's going to make you sick. No, no, I, I do this all the time. Okay, sh sure, bud. Okay, well, here's the deal then, bud. You go ahead and you eat your toothpaste, but when you chuck your cookies in about 10 minutes, then I want you to remember that I warned you that this was not a good idea for you. And to my great surprise, he actually held down his toothpaste. No, I'm kidding. He barfed everywhere. Like, projectile vomited all over the cabin, and it was very unfortunate to have to clean that up, but it was also a great teaching moment for the rest of the cabin, because I was like, kids, this is an object lesson <laughs> for you to learn about God. God loves you, and he wants good things for you. And when you act outside of the purposes that you were designed for, it's going to cause you harm. In the same way, God wants the best for us. He wants the best for our work lives. He wants the best for all areas of life. And, and I want to be careful not to just hammer on the idea of our vocation, right? The idea is that all of life is worship, and all of life is an offering to God. Our work is just a part of that. Okay. So, we understand God's purpose for work. We understand how to discover our individual purpose in work by allowing God's light to shine on our lives. And now I want to talk about being empowered by God to do good work. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. What Jesus is reminding us of here is that it's not enough that we just allow God to show us our purpose. We have to remember that God's light continues to enable our purpose, right? Just because I know that this is a book, as soon as it goes dark, I'm not going to be able to read it, right? If I know that this is a hammer, I'm, I've, I've got a greater chance of using it functionally in the dark, but I also have a pretty ridiculous chance of injuring somebody, myself included, if I'm not using it properly. So not only does God's light and his heart for us reveal his purposes in us, but it also empowers us to do our work in a healthy and good way. It changes the way that we work, right? The, the reality is, is that the more light that we allow into our lives, the greater distance that we reflect the light out to the world around us, the more that his love and his grace influence and change our hearts and shape our desires, the more that we're going to align with his will and the more that we're going to show those things to other people and the more that they're going to per perceive his goodness through our actions. As a partner with God, as we partner with God and as we do our best to make our work and our lives an act of worship to him and an act of service to others, we change. He works within us to enable us to be more effective, to be more filled with joy, to be more patient, to endure difficulty with grace. And our desire for goodness increases while the desires that we talked about earlier brought by sin decrease. In summary, here's the big idea. God made you, and he wants to work through you. And the way that he wants to do that is by using the unique personality experiences experiences and giftings that you have to do that. He loves you dearly, and he made you to find joy functioning in the design he made for you. Now to close, I would just like to go over a few things that we can practically do to see these changes happen in our lives. Uh, with the previous number of uh, sermons that we've ran through with this series, we had a separate night where we could go over kind of the practical application um, but going into the Christmas season here, this is going to be our, our last week of uh, normal service. And so um, we're just going to hit on some of those practical applications so that we have something to chew on as we go into the Christmas season. The first thing I want to uh, hit on is that you can't discover who you were meant to be apart from relationship with God. You were made for him. To allow his light into your life, to allow him to reveal his purposes and his heart for you, you need to spend time with him. And when you spend time with him, ask him questions and then listen. What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? Are there things that get you really fired up? Is there injustice that makes you angry? Maybe you're supposed to be part of the solution to ending that injustice. What are the things that you love to talk about? What are you good at? Maybe you're a great listener, or maybe you love to host people. Uh, maybe you love kids, and, and someday you'd like to be a mom or, or a dad. Or maybe uh, you love kids' ministry, and so you want to volunteer at the church. I know that there's some people that, like, they're great with toddlers, and then there's other people that are great with teenagers. You know, it could be that you have a strong passion for justice, and so maybe what God has called you to is to work 
in the justice field, and, and it could be working as a police officer or working in, um, um, in legal counsel as a lawyer or a judge. God might, God might put different, desi different desires for different positions on your heart at different times, too. I read a story um, about how uh, there, was a, there was a man that this author knew who started out as a church planter. And later on in his, uh, in his career time, uh, he realized that he wanted to do something different, that God had put something different on his heart. So he went into uh, working at sales for, uh, for a radio company. And then from that, he went to another position um, working with people. And, and this pastor asked him, he's like, man, that, like, that seems like quite a change, like uh, that you were really working at different purposes. And, and the guy answered him back. He's like, well, all of them are about serving people. They're all about interacting with people and loving on people. And so even though they're very different, they all had the same root passion and the same uh, root drive behind them. And so I also want to point out that God doesn't necessarily have a specific vocation that you have to do for the next 30 years. He might have an he might have something to plug you into right now, and maybe it'll be different five years or 10 years or 15 years from now. But the point is, is that he's created with you with things that you can do that nobody else can do. And he wants to empower you to use those things to honor him and to bless others and to find joy in your service. And then if you don't know what you're supposed to do, and I'm sure that some of you feel this way. I know I felt this way many, many times. If you've prayed and you said, God, like, I, I want to be walking in your will. I want to honor you with my work. I want to do the things that you've called me to do. And you don't feel like you have any clear direction. Make a choice. Pick something that you think that you'll be good at and that you think that you can do in an honorable way and go and do it. We have to trust that our God is big enough and he cares about us enough that if we're actively trying to seek his will and we step outside of it, that he's going to give us a course correction. Second practical thing. Now this might sound really harsh. I apologize. It's not meant to be. But you aren't special. I know. I know. But you are unique. And here's why that's better. Okay? Our culture for years and years has had this thing of telling everyone that, you know, you're special, you're a snowflake. Pastor Luke hit on this a few weeks ago with, uh, with his sermon on mental health, and he was talking about how everybody struggles with things. Everybody faces difficulty. You're not alone. You're not special. Now, he used the word unique there, and we were getting at the same things, but I'm going to explain what I mean by special and unique here, okay? So the word special implies different than or better than, right? If you have somebody who's special, the idea is that they are greater than somebody else. And God does not play favorites. There are no special servants of God. There are no special children. God loves us all equally. He's given us all purposes. He wants to bless all of us. There are no special people within the church body. But he has created us each to be unique and with different passions and abilities and opportunities. And so 
how his work in our lives looks is going to be very different, but he wants to bless all of us, and there are no favorites. And this is good because if we believe that we're special, if we believe that we can do anything that we want to do and that, you know, we're just the best that there is, we can fall into two great difficulties. First of all, we can actually believe that we're better than other people, and so pride can well up in our lives and we can start to look down on others or believe that their service is less than yours. And that's not the case. And that's something that I really want to emphasize tonight is that, listen, if, if you're a barista at Starbucks, you are no less than the professor at the university. Okay? If you are a stay-at-home mom, good on you. Seriously. Seriously. You are doing one of the most beautiful things that there is taking care of and raising up somebody to walk in God's truth. That is astoundingly great. There, there are no small tasks with God. He, he has a story in the New Testament where he talks about handing out talents to different people and saying, go and use these, these gifts that I've given you um, and, and bring back more kind of thing. Go and use them effectively is what he's getting at. And he gives different amount of gifts to different people. And they come back to him, and the person who was given five talents brings back five more talents. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the person who he gave two talents to comes back and gives him two more talents. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. His accolade to each of them was exactly the same because each of them had done the best that they could do with what was given to them. It had nothing to do about the quantity of results. The third thing is to be thankful. This can be challenging. If you're in a place, uh, if you're working at a place, you know, where you work with challenging coworkers or a challenging boss, um, or if you're working in an area that doesn't really align super well with your giftings, um, it can be a challenge to want to be thankful in those places. But our thankfulness opens the door for God to act in our lives. When, when we get embittered and when we, um, when we stop believing that God can do good things in our lives because we don't see goodness around us, it closes, him, closes off the opportunity for God to invest in us, and it closes off the opportunity for his light to flow through us and go out to other people. And so we need to have attitudes that uh, come to him with a thankful heart, and that will allow him to work in our lives to improve the lives of people around us and to honor him. Fourth, don't compare yourself to others. We all have different giftings and abilities and capacities. God wants you to be the best you This bucket and this mug can both transport liquids for drinking. They can transport different amounts of liquids for drinking. And some of you who are a mug type person, you might say, well, I wish I could do as much work as the bucket could do. You know, they get to, they get to help tons of people. But the reality is, is that you need both. Well, while the bucket is good for serving large groups of people, it's not good for serving the individual, right? And if you try and drink from this, you're going to have a real mess. And likewise, if you try and do the work of the bucket with a mug, you're going to exhaust yourself. And so 
Don't get caught up in comparing yourself to others and saying, well, we do the same thing, but they do it better than me. Or they, they have a bigger audience than I have, or they have more influence than I have, or they make more money than I do. None of that matters. What matters to God is that we do the things that he's put in front of us to the best of our ability. That we offer them up to him as acts of service with attitudes of thankfulness. Remember, he isn't impressed by numbers. He is concerned with our commitment to his calling and the development of a Christ-like character as we serve him. And the last one that I want to hit on before closing is that results are not your concern. Doing your best is. As Christians, we should be the best employers and we should be the best employees. We should conduct ourselves in such a way that God's goodness can be clearly reflected in our lives. When, when people in our places of employment um, interact with us, our lives should look different enough from the rest of the world that they ask questions. And it is a glorious thing when that happens. But the good news is, is that when we do our best to honor God, we don't have to concern ourselves with the results. There's an example in the New Testament where Paul is talking to a church and he says um, that people are arguing about who's better. Is Paul better? Is Apollos better? And Paul says, I planted some seeds and Apollos watered them, but God's the one that made them grow. And so Paul and Apollos are nothing, he says. And the reality is, is that all of the work that we offer up to God, all of the goodness that can happen in our lives, is a result of his light flowing down onto us and going out into the world. When, when we see different things and we, we believe that the function that they have is commendable or we think that it's beautiful, right? When an artist paints a beautiful painting, the painting itself is only beautiful when it's reflecting light. And our lives are only beautiful when they're reflecting God's light. It's his light active in us that allows goodness to be seen by the world. A few weeks ago, um, I had the opportunity to go and meet with a pretty cool guy um, and, uh, and talk about life and ask him some questions about faith. And, um, and it was fantastic. We walked into a Starbucks together and uh, he walks up to the counter and this girl behind the counter sees him and she's like, uh, she's like, Ralph, oh, and she run, runs out from behind the counter, runs up to him. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. How are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And, and he has this conversation with her. And then he walks over from having a conversation with her and greets the other baristas by name. And, uh, and then there was one guy that he didn't know yet. So he introduced himself and asked some questions of him. And all of the people there, you could just tell, were so positively impacted by his presence. He cared deeply about them, and he cared about, um, you know, pouring out grace and love and kindness to them. And it was amazing the impact that he had on these people just by being kind to them. And now you might say, well, that's not his job. But yes, but every opportunity that we have in our life, every act of service that we do for somebody else, every cup of water that we give to somebody else with a joyful heart. Jesus says when we give a cup of water 
to somebody to honor him, that it blesses him. And so even though it's not work, it is work. And we have the same opportunities in our lives every day to impact the people around us, to, to be powerful movers in this world, to participate in God's action. God desperately wants to move in your life. He wants to help you to understand the purposes that he created you for. He wants you to get rid of the things that are holding you back from that, the, the sin or the distractions from our culture that are stopping you from uh, being able to work effectively. He wants to let his light shine down on you to reveal his purpose. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit to empower you daily to walk in those purposes that he has created you for. To fill you up and to let you be a light to the world so that they might know his glory too. He wants the best for you and he wants to fill your life with joy by being obedient in service. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have created us with purpose. God, none of us are here by accident. You've called each of us to be here. You have purposes and designs for each of us. You have good work that you want to accomplish through every one of us. Thank you, God, that even though you don't need our help, God, you've asked us to participate in your story. That you made this world beautiful and you've made this world full of good opportunities for us to, uh, to use and, and to make it habitable and to make it safe and to make it fun and exciting and exhilarating. God, thank you that you've welcomed us to join in this journey with you. God, we pray that you would uh, give us each the ability to seek you out in the weeks and months ahead. Lord, if, if there are some of us in this place that are going, man, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I want God to illuminate the purposes in my life, but I don't know what they are. I pray that we would take a hard look at those things in the weeks to come. God, that you would open up our hearts to receive your direction, that we might become people who are marked by a desire to uh, do the work that we do with excellence, that you would help us to be vessels of your love, God, that your spirit would flow through us, and that your light would so illuminate our lives, God, that the people around us would be compelled to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.